Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see each of you on this July Sunday morning. I think most of you know that we're currently in a sermon series that revolves around the life of David. Well, I was scheduled to preach the seventh sermon in that series this morning, but earlier in the week, I felt that God was leading me away from that topic. Uh, For today, I think that next Sunday we'll be right back taking a look at David and learning what we can from his life. But for this morning, I've come, I think, representing God to ask you a question. And I think it's life's most important question. Are you saved? Now, before you answer that question, I want to assure you of something. My objective here today is not to try to talk you into something uh, that you're not ready for. I won't use any sad stories. I'm not going to try to guilt you into something or scare you into some kind of decision. Uh, So I want you to just relax. We're just talking, okay? We're just talking. Uh, Are you saved? Now, before you answer that question, I want to make sure that you... Understand what I'm not asking. I'm not asking you if you attend church. I'm not asking you how often you attend church. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church somewhere. Because you can be saved and not attend church. And you can attend church every Sunday... And not be saved. You say, so I can go to heaven and bypass all this? Listen, you can go to heaven and not come to church. You say, then why would I need church? I'll tell you this. I think think church is an outstanding place for people who haven't been saved to find Christ. You understand that that's what we're doing here every Sunday morning. That's a big part of our Sunday morning experiences. We want to help people find Christ. If people haven't been saved, we want them to come to understand the importance of this and how to do this. And so I think, church is, is, I think church is very, very important to the non-Christian. But I think church is very important to Christians because this is where we develop the relationship so that we can help each other through our prayers, our spiritual gifts, our encouragement, through teaching, through worship. We can encourage each other to keep going so that we keep growing and evolve in our faith and evolve as Christians as we should be. i tell you what's possible. You can go to church every Sunday of your entire life and not be saved. So that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. Because sometimes when I ask people, you know, have you been saved? They'll say, I was baptized when, this, that. No, no, no. I'm not asking you to be baptized. I think there are people who were never baptized that are in heaven. You say, give me an example. You remember the story of the two thieves on either side of Jesus? And one of them said, I want you to remember me today. Which He was saying, asking, will you save me? Jesus said, that's done. By the end of the day, you'll be in heaven with me. He didn't have a chance to be baptized. So I think there are people who haven't been baptized in in heaven. And I think there are people who have been baptized who aren't saved. You understand that baptism is not for 
unsaved people. It's not a means. You don't put them in the baptistry or the horse trough or the river or whatever, and you dunk them, and when they come up, the water just washes their sins away. That's not it at all. Baptism's not for unsaved people. Baptism is for saved people. It is a means that you and I demonstrate or declare without saying a word publicly that we've accepted Christ as our Savior. We're going to follow Him as our Lord. And so, I don't care. I remember this one lady, I asked her, I said, have you been saved? She said, a preacher so-and-so from whatever church baptized me and said he dunked me three times. (laughs) Three, buddy. To answer your question, I didn't ask if she'd been baptized. I asked if she'd been saved. I'm not asking you this morning if you're a good person. If I, had, if I were a betting man, I'd bet everything I got in my wallet, both dollars, that you're a good person, probably a better person than I am. I'm not asking if you're a good person. I bet you, you try hard to be a good person. Now, here's the problem. Is the Bible's very clear on this. Just being a good person doesn't make you saved. Now, this is what the Bible says. The very best person on earth still comes far short of God's standard. So, man, you you can leave this earth better than anybody in this room and not land in heaven. I'm not asking you if you do good things. If I ask you this morning to put together a spiritual resume, and you, you could probably impress people. We could impress each other. Man, I gave this. I gave this much. I'm involved in this ministry. I do this. I do that. I do that. Let me tell you something. Doing good things doesn't equate into being saved. There's a verse in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul said plainly it's not by works of righteousness in other words it's not by doing a mountain of good things that any of us ever end up saved I want to to make sure that you understand what I'm asking you are you saved here's what I want you to understand Uh, being saved is something God does for you it's not something you do for him It's something he does for you. Let me explain. I'm going to give you some good news, okay? But before I give you the good news, can I give you the bad news? I think it may make a great backdrop to give you the good news. The bad news is this. We've all sinned, right? You say, boy, you're sounding kind of judgmental and condescending and condemning now. How do you know that? Well, I know that. Not because I've been watching you or because I got an email from your spouse or whatever. The Bible says it. The Bible said that every human being has sinned. Do you know as much respect and admiration as I have for Dr. Billy Graham? At some point or another, old Billy Graham sinned. I don't know exactly what he did, but I, did, I bet he did it more than once. Well, I said, we've all sinned. You were born with a propensity to sin, a bend in that direction. And then here you find yourself in a world where sin is glamorized, advertised, rewarded. So guess what happens? Sooner or later, you did, I did, we all did, we all sinned. In other words, God said, don't. And you said, I'm going to. He said, I want you to do this. You said, I don't think I'm going to do that. And tell you what, anytime you choose your will over his will, you do what you want instead of what he wants. You did, you committed a sin. Every one of us did that. You know what sin did? Sin separated us from God. 
is like a wedge being driven between God and man and separating the two. It had that effect corporately on mankind, but, but your personal sins had that same impact on your personal relationship with God. It separated you from God. And you say, where do you get that? All over the Bible. Separated you. And that is a very costly condition to live life in. Because there's a verse in the book of Ephesians that said, as long as you were separate from God, you were separate from the life that he had chosen for you. A rich, satisfying, full, blessed life. And, and that distance was not only keeping you away from him, but keeping you away from what he wanted for you. And it's not only a costly way to live, it's a dangerous way to live. In the New Testament, we're often described, if you're not saved, in our unsaved state, we're described as lost people. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek, and that Greek word translated in English word lost means to be in grave danger. Every moment that we live life separate from God in an unsaved state, we are living in grave danger. You say, how so? If we die in that state, we will be separate from God for all eternity. That's it. You say, don't you think that maybe somewhere out there, a hundred years after death, a thousand years, we get a do-over? Huh? A mulligan? Don't you think we get a, a chance to? No, we don't, man. I'm telling you, if we die separate from God, then we're eternally separated from God. And that in a place that's so horrifying, I don't know that we could comprehend it. I don't know that we can describe it. And you know the place, and I know the place, and we don't talk about it much because we don't like to be reminded of it. You know what I'm talking about? You know I'm talking about hell. You said, well, you said you're going to give us bad news. I'm telling you, it's bad news. Bad news, we all sin. to separate from God. It's costing us the, the life God intended for us. It, you know, it, it's, it puts us in grave danger. If we die in that state, we're separate from God eternity. Now, let me tell you what's worse. You say, there's something worse than that? You and I can't fix this. Sin put us in a situation we can't fix. Sin created problems for us we can't fix. That's, that's the bad news. You can't go to church enough, be baptized often enough, be good enough, or do enough, do enough good to fix that. That's the bad news. The good news is God knew this. This amazes me, Jimmy. God knew this was going to happen. You say, when? When, when Adam and Eve partook of that fruit, he went, oh, man. No, 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 no. Before he ever created the world, before he ever created Adam and Eve, he knew the turn this was going to take. He knew they were going to sin. And he knew that they would pass their tendency to sin down to us. And then he knew that I would sin, and he knew that Scott Lee would sin. Yeah, Scott, you're a sinner. I got you. I see you. <laughs> and he knew Brian would. He knew Sam would. He knew Ann would. As sweet as she is, he knew she would. He knew, he knew Lynn would. Before he ever created the world, he knew you would. He knew it. He knew it was going to happen. But in spite of what he knew about you and what he knew about me, he knew every sin we were going to commit. Exactly when, the extent, the number, everything. He loved us. That blows my mind. And we just sang a song about it, right? 
this never-ending, crazy, reckless love of God. Get this, man. He knew everything about you and me, every rotten thing we would ever do. And he was still crazy, madly in love with us. Loved us with an unconditional, eternal, unchanging love. Knowing every sordid, dark detail about our lives didn't stop him from loving us. In his love, he said, you know what I'll do? I'll fix their problem. They can't fix their problem, so I'll fix their problem. He said, they can't save themselves, so I'll send somebody down there who will save them. And do you know who that was? I'll give you one guess. Jesus sent his own son. He said, son, I want you to go down there and fix the problem. So Jesus came to the earth as a human being. He lived a little over 30 years, never committed a sin, never had a Sinful thought, never said a sinful word, you know, never got, you know, shut up. Never, I mean, never, never did it perform a sinful act. Perfect. Yet he ends up on a cross where he's being crucified as a criminal. How did that happen? What was going on? God allowed it because something really big, something important was happening. God was allowing his son to fix our problem. And on that cross, God transferred all of our sin, every last one of them, and gave credit for them to his son. In other words, for just that moment hanging on the cross, he considered his son to have been the one that committed all of our sins. So you know what Jesus did? Jesus died on that cross, satisfying the demands of the law, which demanded death. And so he died our death. In other words, he not only took responsibility for our sins, he paid the penalty for our sins. And you know what, you know what he accomplished? Uh, he took sin out of the way. In other words, Frank, it was like this. What that wedge that was driven between God and man, through his death, he removed the wedge. What was keeping God and man apart was now out of the way. You say, Ronnie, does that mean we're all saved? Nope, nope, nope. But it means we all can be saved. God knew. He loved. He fixed the problem. And then you know what he does now? He pursues us. There again, I was amazed listening to the words of that last song because this is what I mean by that. God takes the initiative to try to save you. He's... He, he takes the first step, not you. You and I would never even stop and think about God if he didn't pursue us. He goes in pursuit of us. It means he's thinking about us long before we ever think about him. He's moving in our direction long before we take a step in his direction. The only reason you and I would ever stop and think of God and maybe start thinking about moving is because he's at work in us. He pursues us. Listen, I want you to understand something this morning. God is dead set on saving you. He wants to. But he won't if you don't let him. Now, if you'll let him, I'll tell you what this means being saved. It means, one, he'll forgive you. I get that. Uh, The Bible says that he'll take your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. That he will bury them in the deepest part of the sea, never to bring them up against you again. He will give you a clean slate. You know what? The Bible said you're born again. You're just as pure and innocent as a brand new baby. 
forgive you. Then he reconciles you to himself so that you have a relationship with him. And you have the opportunity to build as intimate and personal and real and meaningful a relationship as you desire with him. Then Jesus moves into your body, takes up a permanent residence. He'll be with you, in you. Every moment of every day for the duration of your life. And you know why he does that? So that he can help you anytime, any way that you need help. And then if you'll follow him, he will build for you a life on this earth that's better than anything you could have imagined and better than anything you could have built on your own. Jesus referred to it as the full life, the abundant life. And when this life, this full life on earth ends, guess what you get to do? You go to heaven. And heaven is a place that's so grand, so great, that you and I can't comprehend its beauty We certainly couldn't describe its beauty to one another. Are you saved? Is this what he's done for you? If not, I've got to ask you another question. Would you like to be? Because I run into people who go, well, I'd kind of like to be, but... Ronnie, I... I can't live that kind of life, that restrictive lifestyle. You know, you Christians have got your list of do's and don'ts, and I just can't give up my freedom to step into and live the rest of my life in absolute bondage. That's what people tell me. I'm not going to give up my freedom for everything that you just talked about. Okay, let's think about this. I thought the same way. You know, I, 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 you guys, some of you guys know me, knew me when. And you know what I love, Donnie? I like my freedom. I like being able to do anything I wanted, anytime I wanted, not answering to anybody for any reason. You know, I, I don't have any rules, any laws, any regulations. It's just Ronnie's law. Whatever Ronnie wants to do, he does. Whenever, it don't matter. And, and I, when I think about becoming a Christian, it's like, oh, no, I can't live like a prisoner the rest of my life. You know what? I had it backwards. I didn't understand this. Before I was saved, I was in bondage to the devil and to sin. I didn't know this. But when I, until after I was saved, after I was saved, I realized that Jesus Christ had set me free. You see what I'm saying? It's not a life of bondage. Are there some do's and don'ts? Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's not to tie you up and, and strip your life of all joy. I'm telling you what. You get freedom, not bondage. You say, well, I, I, can't, I can't be perfect. I'm just, I, in my, on my best day, I can't be perfect. Who said you had to be? God knows your humanness and how weak we are. He understands the environment we live in and the enemy we have. And, and I'm going to say this. I, you strive, thinking that you somehow are going to be perfect is God's not thinking that. Now, I want you to understand. I didn't just give you a license to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. I hear that people say this. You, you know, I had a bad hangover Sunday. Oh, I got hammered Saturday night. You're like, what? You did what? 
Hey, we can't be perfect, but we can be sober. I'm not saying that you can't be perfect, so just don't worry about right and wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think this is the way we approach it. Every day of our lives, we strive with all of our heart to do the right thing in every situation. That's what we do. Understanding, though, because of our weakness and our tendency to sin, a cunning enemy, the culture in which we live, there are going to be times when we blow it. There are going to be times when you didn't do right. Now, here's what a Christian does. They don't make a habit of it. They don't accept that as status quo. They acknowledge to God, blew that one. You said that's something I shouldn't do, and I did. I apologize. They learn from it. They make the adjustments, and they grow stronger from their failures. They don't excuse them and just live with them and repeat the same thing over and over and over again. So that's the way it works. You'll be free. And as far as living the life... Why do you think Jesus moves into a person's body when they're saved? To help them. To help them live the life. So, would you like to be saved? It's your call. Now, it's your decision. It's not ours. You say, Ronnie, you know, I think I would. Tell me what I got to do. You've got to turn to God. You say, what do you mean by that? You've got to experience a change of mind that produces a change of direction in your life. When I was an adolescent, I felt like God pursued me. He wanted to save me. And uh, I'd already made up my mind that I didn't want him in my life. I didn't want to live life the way he wanted me to live. So I said no, repeatedly. No, no, no. Something, I went through something uh, as a young adult that led me to have experience a change of mind. As long, listen, as an adolescent, I saw Jesus as somebody to run from, run hard away from. Something happened as a young adult, I experienced a change of mind. It led to a change in direction. Rather than running from him, I started finding myself moving in his direction. I changed my mind about Jesus. I changed my mind about me. I changed my mind about life. I changed my mind about salvation. Next thing you know, I found myself turning my back on, on the way of thinking that I had always embraced, the way of living. And I'm, I start looking in God's direction going, I think you've got what I'm looking for. I guess I could put it like this. You've got to come to a point in your life and in your mind and heart where that's what you want. That's what you want. You're willing to turn your back on sin, sinful living, and, and turn the rest of your life over to him. I think that's critical. I think it's, the Bible calls it repentance. Would you, are you there? The second thing I say is you've got to trust which means that, that you've got to believe with all your heart that God sent his son, Jesus. That Jesus went to the cross in your place, assumed responsibility for your sins, died in your place, paid the penalty for your sins. And you've got to believe that so much, so strongly that you're willing to stake eternity on it. 
depend on him, Jesus, and what he has done and nothing else. But I mean really rely on that. You turn, you trust. Are you there? And then you tell. You tell whom? You tell him. In a very simple prayer, you just say, God, this is where I'm at. I want you. I want what you're offering. I want to live for you. And I believe that you've made a way through Jesus that I can. And so, not because I'm deserving of your salvation, but because I'm depending on my Savior. I'm asking you to save me. You do that. Forgiven, reconciled, indwelt. Saved. You want to do that? Let's take care of it right now. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to bow their heads and close their eyes. Let's create a, a very private place in this public setting. Can we do that? Will you promise me you'll do that? Every head bowed, all eyes closed. Now somebody is sitting here thinking, I want to do that, but man, I don't want to get up. I'm not going to ask you to get up. I don't want to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. It's between you and God, and He's right there where you're at. You want to be saved? In the privacy of your heart and mind, pray a prayer like this. God, I want you. I want your son. I want to be saved. I want what you're offering. So I'm turning to you now. From this point on, I'll do my best to live life the way you want. But I'll need you to help me. I believe when Jesus died on that cross, it was for me. And so not because I'm deserving, but because I'm depending on Jesus. Will you save me? All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. I want, you, I want to ask you to do something. You, if it makes you uncomfortable, don't. But I'm going to ask you to do it. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you look at me? Nobody else, just you. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you look at me?
Yes. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Look at me. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to look at me. You may be asking, Ronnie, it's that simple? It's that simple for us because of all that God and His Son have done for us. You pray that prayer sincerely, I'm telling you what, you are saved. You may be asking, okay, what now? I, I, this is what I'd recommend. It's a, there's a lot to it, but I'm going to make one, I recommend a one step. You make connection with a good church. That's a good starting place for you at this point. You connect with a good church, a church that can help you. Now, if it's Golden Corner Church, if, if we suit your taste, I'll tell you this, we want you here. We're going to try our dead level best to help you in every way that we possibly can. But that's where I'd start. That's where I'd start. That's where I'd start. And let me pray for you before I let you go. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. saving sinners like us and for saving some people here today that mean the world to us I praise you I thank you I pray for each one Lord that's walking out here today saved wasn't when the service began but now they are I pray this you protect them. You strengthen them. You help them. You help them follow you from this point on. They're your kids. They're your kids. So you take care of them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You listen to me. Don't you overlook what happened in this church here today. Don't you take it for granted. There are men and women about to walk out this door who weren't saved just a few minutes ago. They were in grave danger. They're saved. Not everybody. There's some who are saved that weren't saved just a few minutes ago. We need to be grateful. We need to express that gratitude to God in our prayers. Thank you, Lord. You're dismissed.